You're listening to Crusader Chronicles episode 16 featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 160 from June 1976. Welcome to the 16th episode of Crusader Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by the release date from my comic book collection, either digitally, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issues or issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and have some fun along the way talking about the comics with my friends. Joining me this episode are Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Bam. It's a prescription for danger. A.K.A. Death Probe. I'm glad that you do this show that you can read comics with your friends. And since you couldn't have any of them here today, I'll film yeah, it. Thanks for helping me out. It's putting a little bit of a bind in my schedule. I was going to mm. change the oil in my dune buggy this morning. Oh, okay. Mm. But nothing could really go wrong with a dune buggy, so I think I'll be okay. What color is it? It's red. It's got like a web design on it. So oh, yeah. very cool. And how ironic that it matches kind of what we're talking about today. Oh, does it? That's weird. <laughs> ah, that is. But going back to the friends, yeah, I'm glad you could join me. I know I've had you on a couple different times now. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll get there soon to that friends stage. <laughs> Maybe so someday. just hold on, yeah. Just hold on to that, you know. There's light at the tunnel. All right, man. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. But speaking of a really good friend of mine, let's bring in your brother, Jason Albrecht, a.k.a. Weasel Skull. Thank you for being my friend. Here we are doing the podcast again. Your heart is true. You're my pal and my editor. <laughs> when I say something stupid, <laughs> you clean it up like it was never said at all. That's true. <laughs> That's all I got. That's That's all all you went further than I thought. So So that would make me the B. Arthur then, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, joining us as well is our guest for the first time is Chris Carnes from the podcast Bat Book for Beginners and the Professor Frenzy Show. Welcome, Chris. Oh, my goodness. How did I get here? Oh, wow. So glad to be here. Super Uh, to have you. Chloroform is wearing off. Could you tell us what his Twitter handle is, Pat? Oh. Oh, yeah, for some of you that don't know, his Twitter handle is Chris at BTO and Batbook. Let it roll! Oh, <laughs> Down the highway! Well, it's glad to be here. Yeah, listeners, uh, let that be a lesson to you. Don't follow signs that say free comics with an arrow pointing to the open door of a panel van. So. <laughs> hey, but no, I really enjoy it. Yeah, so yeah, I am uh, part of the BTO and Bat Books. That is my Twitter handle. And you can find me on the podcast. There's a few, Bat Girl to Oracle. See, that's where the BTO comes in. That's hosted uh, by the marvelous and talented Stella. And I have a segment on that show where I review the Batman Adventures title, which was the comic based on the animated series, Back in the 90s. Yeah, and you can also find me on 
the Bat Books for Beginners podcast, and that's where Jerry Green and I review Batman or related characters in the trade paperbacks that came out. And we're reviewing things that came out about 10 years ago at this point, and we're doing that in chronological order. New episodes drop every other Friday. You can also find me on the Professor Frenzy Show, and that drops every Wednesday where Jerry and I look at the lesser known, lesser publicized independent titles that came out for the previous week. Very good. I enjoyed both of those shows, so yes, thank you very much. You've made me actually dust off some old Batman trades off my shelf listening to your shows a couple well, times. I appreciate that. Yeah, it gives me a chance to reread stuff that I would never would have thought to, so I'm fortunate to be a part of that show. Well, Chris, while you're in the back of the van there, would you go ahead and just give a little water to Professor Allen? He's the one with the black bag on his head. Oh, yep, sure. Okay, but thanks. Give him a little water. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and Delvin couldn't be here with us today. We sent him out to go get coffee for us. I don't think he's coming back. Yeah, I don't I don't know. You said he was dead. <laughs> Jason keeps falling for that Delvin's dead bit. <laughs> did you send flowers again? Again. Yeah, probably. I, I did, yes. Keep sending flowers. Miranda's like, what's with all these flowers? <laughs> Before we get started, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Night falls on the crate halls of Frenzywood. Chris and Jerry read this week's comics with a sense of terror and foreboding. Which books will they enjoy and which will unsettle them with an eerie mood striking into their very souls? They work their way through the rare and mysterious tomes to find those worthy of your attention. A knock comes to the door, bringing something strange and otherworldly that no one has ever seen before. It's the Professor Frenzy Show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy Show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy Show. If you like indie comics and also like podcasts, please try the Professor Frenzy Show. Find the show in iTunes search and Facebook. Episodes tweeted out on at Professor Frenzy on Twitter. Thank you. Welcome back from the break. Today's comic is Amazing Spider-Man number 160. Let's get to some credits brought to you by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher is Marvel. Cover date of September 1976. But it had an on-sale date of June 8th, 1976. Cover price is only 30 cents. Man, I miss those days. Editor is Len Wein. And writer is Len Wein. A one-two combo that Delvin likes. (laughs) Penciler is Ross. Andrew and Inker is Mike. Say it with me. Esposito. 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 Letter is Joseph Rosen. 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 Dr. Rosen. Rosen. Yep. Dr. Rosen. Rosen. Colorist is Glennis Ween. And if you wanted to follow along with us, either if you have the original copy or you can also find it reprinted in the Essential Spider-Man Volume 7 trade paperback, you can also find it on Marvel Unlimited. And we hope that you do. Cover credits go to Penciler Gil Kane, another Gil Kane cover with inks by John Romita. And speaking of the cover, let's have Jared tell us about it. Gil Kane and John Romita together, man. It's like if you had to fight like Rocky and Apollo at the same time. <laughs> Hint, you're not going to win. But anyways, 
<laughs> this is a very exciting cover. I mean, we said it's Gil Kane John Romita, so it looks great. Let's get that right out in front. You've got a shadowy figure of a mysterious looking scientist watching on a monitor, and the monitor takes up the vast majority of the screen. Spider Man is losing his grip, climbing a wall. He's losing his powers. In fact, he's yelling, It's impossible. All my superpowers have failed me, as he is being hunted down by the menacing, the evil, the terrifying Spider Mobile. That's not a mistake. He's being hunted down <laughs> by the Spider-Mobile. It is driving up a wall to come run him over. The mysterious scientist is saying, Exactly as I planned, fool, in moments you will be dead, and your own Spider-Mobile will be your murderer. <laughs> and other than that, you've got your classic Marvel Comics group banner in green. The corner box of Spider-Man is the standard one from the era, also in green, and the Amazing Spider-Man logo is the always wonderful logo, minus the webs. We all love the web. Yeah. This one doesn't have it this time. But that about does it. So let's get some thoughts on this cover. Chris from BTO and Bat Books. You know, I have to ask myself, is this a compelling cover? Yes, Spider-Man appears to have lost his powers. How? How is this happening? And the Spider-Mobile can drive up the side of a building? What's going on here? How is that possible? And just who is the villain in the shadows controlling this? That's very mysterious. And I wonder what Delvin would have thought of this, because it looks like an older person, so a septuagenarian octogenarian on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure Delvin would have been a fan of this one, but uh, here we are. But I really love the dialogue from the hero and the villain here. Also of note, though, bringing back some painful memories, as previously stated, this is a 30 Sun cover, and this would be the first 30 Sun cover, mm-hmm. which was a nickel increase, and there was no oh, increased really explanation at the issue. You know, it was sort of a tell in the previous issue when they had the uh, giant size, a quarter, you know, mm-hmm. in the circle. Still but, only 25 cents. Yeah, so now, now we bumped the 30, so I, yeah. But I liked it. I liked this cover a lot. Yeah, that's a good catch. Delvin's pointed out before, too, whenever they say still only, that <laughs> usually means we're a couple months away from jacking up the prices. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> Jason, with that coffee. I wonder, oh, man. Yeah. I wonder what Jason thought of the cover. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this cover really didn't grab me, even though it was Gil Kane and John Romita Jr. I just really didn't get the menace of the Spider-Mobile. And also, I found it weird that he says powers have failed. It looks like his wall-crawling powers have failed him, but his strength powers are okay, because he is digging in the side of that building. And then you got the menacing figure in the front. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just jaded, because... This comic hasn't been very good for a little while, and they're starting a new story arc, and so I just might be a grumpy old man, but this one didn't really grab me too much. What did you think, Pat? I somewhat agree with you. It wasn't grabbing me as much either. I'm curious about the spider buggy, though. You know, as I said in the last episode, kind of interesting on where the spider buggy is going. Interested in that. I don't know who the guy on the computer is. That's another mystery for me as well, too. So I'm hoping this cover brings a little intrigue to the comic. So something that'll keep me interested again. How about you, Jared? I like the cover a lot. I think I might like it the most out of the four of us, although Chris was cagey. I'm not sure where he stands. Uh, <laughs> but we'll find out. Well, we'll find out. I like it actually a lot. Man, I haven't had my coffee yet. Where's Delvin with that coffee? I like the movement that you can see Spider-Man sliding down and gripping into that wall. I like the shadowy figure in the forefront. And I'm really just intrigued by the Spider-Mobile. I think as we go into the issue, I suspect we're going to find out that I have a love for wacky things more so than maybe other people on the show. So the wackiness really 
appeals to me. I do think it's a well-drawn cover. Definitely. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Art, and the art and the style is great. The art and the colors, again, make everything pop. Yeah, you drawing your eye to what's going on in the monitor. Mm-hmm. If you first look at the cover, it takes you a second to realize there's something going on in the foreground with the mad scientist in the very muted blue, yeah. heavily inked, heavily in shadow. So it does a good job if you look at it, you go, oh, well, there's something cool going on. Oh, wait, someone's watching this from afar. And it does give it that extra layer. Good catch, Pat. My eyes drawn to the spider and the spider buggy. Yeah. Definitely. I always enjoy like words on the cover. Oh, cover blurbs. Yeah, that's yeah, a cover blurbs. thing about fans is cover blurbs. I think it helps build up the suspense. Yeah, I don't have any beef with cover blurbs. Yeah. Some people hate them. But not me. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind the cover blurbs. I don't know. As we're looking at it, I kind of wonder if they would have just had the Spidey on the wall and the spider buggy without the mysterious figure in the foreground. I don't know. It just seems kind of like crowded to me. It is a crowded cover. I will grant you that. Let's get into the ratings. Our rating system here is a one through five scale. One meaning it ruffled your tummy feathers. Hated it. Two, you didn't like it. Three, you liked it. Four, really liked it. Or a five, tickled your tummy feathers. So let's find out what it did for each of us. Let's start with Jared. We're going to start shooting high then, because I'm going to give it a four. I really liked it. I think it has a real fun vibe. It has a lot of motion. I like the way you can see the spider buggy making its drifting right turn up a wall, as much sense as that makes if you're not looking at the cover. <laughs> But I think it's got a lot of motion. It's a lot of fun. I'm giving it a four. Let's toss it to Chris. What do you think, man? I'm going to give this a three out of five. And I know the haps are somewhat frowned upon, but I, I still would stand on my three point three out of five. This is where I'm going to go with that. <laughs> Jason, what do you think? I'm going to agree with you, Chris. And I know that I seem underwhelmed by it. But like I said, some of that just might be I don't really have a clean palette after the last story arc. So I might be bringing a little bit of that into there. The colors are good. There is a lot of action. It is pretty dynamic. Yeah, I'll stick with a three. What do you think, Pat? I'm going to go with the three as well. So uh, the only one with the four is Jared. I think a lot of it comes from my love of the wackiness of the spider buggy. I'm not sorry, though. You don't have to be. I'm not. You don't have to be sorry. Where is that coffee? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he's coming back, y'all. I hope it brings donuts. (laughs) I was going to say, I I asked for a Danish, too. (laughs) That's probably what put him over. And he was like, yeah, I'll get you Danish. And then <laughs> With that, let's get into the synopsis. Jason? While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man.
while on a routine patrol, Spider-Man runs across some familiar goons involved in a fur coat heist. The webhead is dishing out some justice to the fiends, including a vicious headbutt to the tummy feathers, when a mysterious gas immobilizes him. Spidey is just regaining his senses when he is suddenly attacked by what is arguably his strangest foe to date, his webmobile. To his chagrin, our hero discovers that his spider powers are deserting him, and Spider-Man barely escapes with his life. Unable to locate his suddenly violent car, Peter and MJ pay a visit to Aunt May, who is knock-knock knocking on Heaven's door at the <laughs> hospital after a latest run-in with Dr. Octopus and Hammerhead. The scene is basically pointless, except to once again prove that Mary Jean is a conceited bitch, and Liz Allen is having what we can only assume is pity sex with Harry Osborne. <laughs> Somebody did not edit this today. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, J. Jonah Jameson fires his third secretary and also receives a package of mysterious photos, which can only bode ill for a certain friendly neighborhood web slinger. After recovering his spider powers, Spidey resumes his search for his possessed buggy. Stumbling upon an alley filled with mysterious gas, he does what any of us would do and jumps right into it. Batman he is not, folks. <laughs> Our hero is literally the only one who seems shocked that the gas is immobilizing him and stripping away his powers again. In his weakened condition, Spider-Man is easily captured by the webmobile. Allowing the vehicle to take him to the mastermind behind the nefarious plot, we are treated to the big reveal that the dastardly fiend is none other than... Drumroll here, Pat. The Tinkerer! <laughs> With some added muscle from his dim-witted henchman toy, the Tinker thinks he has our favorite wall crawler dead to rights until some quick thinking from our hero turns the tables and in a climatic final battle in which Spider-Man fights Toy, the Tinker, and his Spidey buggy, old Webhead emerges victorious. Hooray! There it is. Yeah. Wrapping in a bow. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jason, for that exciting and fun recap. Let's get to the bric-a-brac now. Let's get into first read or reread. For me, it's going to be a first read. Jason? It's a first read as well for me, Pat. What about you, Chris? This is a reread. I remember getting this book off a 7-Eleven spinner rack when I was a wee little kid from way back in the day. Did you pick up anything else while you were at the 7-Eleven? Did you have like a a routine you did when you grabbed a comic? I got a Slurpee and I would get a pack of wacky packages. What was your Slurpee of color? It would alternate between the Coke flavor and the cherry. You know, when they had the character cups, too, if there was the younger kid working behind the counter, he would, like, pull out one cup to reveal what the other image would be on the next one, and he would let me choose, which was really cool. But if it was the old man working behind there, you had to get what you got. So (laughs) he would not do that option for you. But the younger high school kid would always let me pick my cup. He probably had the whole stack of them anyway and stashed away. (laughs) He did, First dibs on it. Very cool. Jason, what's your flavor of Slurpee? I have to say the Coke flavor was good but I usually went to the cherry. Okay. Jared? You mixed the cherry with the Coke back then. Ooh. Ooh. That's cherry the law. Ooh. That's the law. Uh, see, I was straight to blue, blueberry or whatever that is. The blue's good too, yeah. Uh, They're all good. You can't go wrong. Jared, what's your first read or reread? I'm actually kind of angry at Chris because he screwed us out of a reading rainbow today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Butterfly in the sky. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> But it is a first that's read okay. for me. So we almost had a reading rainbow today. I apologize. Dang it, man. No, but that's good because that now that we fun. don't have Delvin, we have an expert. We have Delvin's another expert down at the 7-Eleven <laughs> yeah. trying to get a stamp coffee. Oh, man, I'm going to change mine to Slurpee. And you guys want to let me? I'm going to text him. Just text so him. So text yeah. Delvin and say we changed our minds. Okay. 
Jared is right. That does not bring a reading rainbow for us, but that's okay. It's not okay. Maybe next time. Okay, it's okay. It's good to have an expert here with us, so I'm glad because I got some questions. Speaking of that, let's get into the highs and lows and let's hear from our guest, Chris. I really like the use of bringing back an older villain. I knew of the Terrible Tinkerer from a reprint of a Steve Ditko villain pinup page that came out in the uh, Giant Size books, but I never got to read his first appearance from Amazing Spider-Man number two, and this wasn't yet reprinted in Marvel Tales. And the only time this story had been previously reprinted was an Amazing Spider-Man annual number two, which I did not have a copy of. You know, I did like that he was seen in the shadows in the previous issue along with who he was working for was sort of a tell because he was holding a cigarette holder. So I think I knew who this was, and I really liked that. I also like the use of foreshadowing where a writer Lynn Wing will set something up in a couple of panels to be used in a future issue. And here we've got J. Jonah Jameson getting some pictures that in the next issue, we will see what the pictures depict, but this whole plot point won't be resolved into issue number 169. Oh. Yeah. Now, I did love the humor. Now, with a title like My Killer of the Car, this isn't an issue that's going to take itself that seriously. And I really like the ending. It had the feel of like the old 67 Spider-Man cartoon, and I could almost hear the closing music as Spidey swings away. So, yeah, those were my highs. Do you have any lows? The lows? Oh, the then timely references I don't know hold up that well for a yes. new reader because there were so many to count from. We yeah. had to know we had Howard Cosell. We had Dicker and Dicker of Beverly Hills, which was the prize provider on the Hollywood Squares game show. <laughs> and oh, I, was, see, I, was, I didn't know that. that yeah. Oh, yeah. Dicker and Dicker of Beverly Hills, you know, when they introduced the prize package of the Secret Square, they would always bring out and this lovely fur from Dicker and Dicker of Beverly Hills. And you'd have Charo come out of her square and then she'd go on the little stairwell and she would model it on the stairwell, just kind of, you know, stroke the fur a little bit. That that was like, so, so, and again, we have a Tony Orlando and Dawn reference. I don't know what it is about that. But here we also had the reference of the dysfunctional brother and sister duo, Donnie and Marie, because, you know, if you recall, she was a little bit country. Yes. The wrong bear. Rock and roll, yeah. Damn it, Chris, you stole my joke. You stole my notes. And he had a little bit of Motown in his soul. She didn't know if it was good or bad, but he knew he loved it so. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I didn't even know about My Mother of the Car until I got older, which was like an old sitcom, I think, which was uh, Jerry Van Dyke that only lasted one season, which was a real horrific series, but had a lot of talent on it. But uh, yeah, those then timely references, I don't think, worked. We had Carter and Lombardo sort of get their uh, comeuppances a little bit. These guys were based on the images of Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas. I don't know if you guys got it on your end, but we also had a letter from Dean Mullaney, who would soon start Eclipse Comics. Now, I don't know if in the reprints oh. that there was the letter column reprinted in that. Yeah, Dean Mullaney, he established the Library of American Comics imprint for IDW, so that's where I see his name, Mullaney. And I don't know if this is where the Harry and Liz romance got its start, because they, they would eventually wind up together. So that I was really- that was a few issues ago, guys. Yeah, she like offered him a ride or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And this did bring back some little bittersweet memories, because I did have a Spider-Mobile toy around this time as a kid. Now, I didn't have a lot of toys back then. My dad would certainly give me a comic, but I really wasn't a toy person. But he did part some bucks and he got me this toy. And as soon as I got it out of the little plastic casing, I rolled it down the sidewalk. It bumped over a stick. It got airborne and it smashed and burned and broke oh. on its first oh. run. So, boy, he was not a happy man after that. He said, that, was the last, that was the last toy I got for a while. So those were my highs and lows. Jared, highs and lows for you, sir. Uh, just give me a second. I finished. I'm just googled Charo rubbing the fur. <laughs> I do things come back to bite me in the butt. Yes. <laughs> Hang on. This is this is excellent. That's Hang what on. I wanted to take that. Gucci, 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 Gucci. <laughs> oh, man. Just got a new podcast date. I know. I can, I can look at images of this all day. 
right. Crazy for Charo. <laughs> Highs and lows on this issue. The biggest high for me is it was a lot of fun. And Jason used the term earlier, like palate cleanser. I think this is a good palate cleanser issue in that we were all very let down by the last story arc. And this one, you go into it, you see the fun, you see the spiral you know it's silly. And to me, it feels like that's okay. Like, let's just take a breather, have a little fun here. And I have to agree with Chris. I love the way that Lynn has planted some seeds there of intrigue for upcoming issues. It's always a good idea. I love the scene with J. Jonah Jameson on his third secretary and how they all have these very distinct personalities. So just a lot of action, a lot of fun, a lot of humor, wackiness. I think this is kind of what we needed to hit a reset after what happened in the last story arc. As far as lows, I don't have a lot unless you want to count the silliness as a low. I could see that. I thought it was just a good change of pace and a breath of fresh air. It's Spider-Man, so there's going to be some comedy there somewhere, either either in what he says or things going on around him. Right. And Jason mentioned it in his recap. The only other kind of low I saw was, I thought Mary Jane was very out of character. And maybe I'm just comparing her to the Mary Jane that I know more from way down the road as she becomes Mrs. Parker. Oh, spoiler. But she seemed really just kind of cold and didn't care about visiting Ant-Man in the hospital. And I thought that was a little weird. Oh, I forgot I have one other high. This comic does a bunch of times what I always loved as a kid. And it's those full motion shots of Spider-Man like doing somersault flips in the air. And they're able to distinguish the motion through use of color by muted color for the things that have happened in the recent past as he's flipping through the air. And then the solid color for where Spidey is now to really show that motion. They do it like three, four times in this issue. And I always love that. So that's it for me. I got to pass the mic to Jason. You know, I I didn't actually read this issue. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I agree with a lot of what you two have said so far. I think that, yeah, palate cleanser is a good term. I'm glad I came up with it. I'm brilliant. I thought some of the highs were, it was a fun episode. At first, I was like, no, really, are we going to fight the spider buggy? That's kind of stupid. But I got to admit, I did get into it. I thought it was pretty well done. Of course, the art is just outstanding. Ross Andrew, such a solid penciler. The colors look great. It makes it pop and makes it more of a fun read. Probably the lows for me are what we talked about with just MJ's out of character. You know, sorry your aunt almost died, but I really want a milkshake, so let's move on. I didn't (laughs) dig that at all. And then it really bothered me the scene with the police officers, too, when he lands on the roof of the cop car. These have got to be the two most craptacular police officers on the planet. They're like, did you hear that? I mean, the guy, he fell like two stories onto the car. You'd think you'd like blown out the windows and everything. But they're like, oh, must have been the wind, you know? Okay, that's just stupid. The Tinker is the main villain. That was kind of a letdown. But he did have a fairly decent plan. I'll give him that. And then he found that roided out dude, Mr. Clean. Or I'm sorry, toy. Looks like Mr. Clean went bad. It made for a good final ending. And I agree, too. I'm kind of interested to see what was in the photos. That was a good little piece. You're talking about the Charo pets the fur photos? or Yeah, oh, yeah. Because yeah. that's what I thought. At first, I thought somebody had sent J. Jonah Jameson some, like, some of you pet and Charles fur photos. <laughs> send to your wife or something. You know, I was like, what were you up to, J. Jonah? But then, obviously, you know, J. Jonah Jameson seemed uh, pretty pleased to have those photos and indicated it would be bad for Spider-Man. And we'll just, I guess, have to wait and see what was in those photos a couple issues down the road. So those are my thoughts. What about you, Pat? Well, I do agree with you guys. I think this was a good palate cleanser. That's a good term, Pat. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I know. I'm good at words. It did make it from what we had before a lot better. I'm glad that Uh, I'm really... Hold on, hold on, Pat. Hold on. Delvin! Delvin! No! Check your text! We...
We changed our minds on the coffee. <laughs> Slushies. <laughs> it's it's in your text. What? Don't give me the finger. Just go around and get my slushie. <laughs> Damn. All right. Sorry, Pat. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Make sure he gets me a blue one. Blue slushie for Pat. A big one. Big gulp. The 32-ouncer. <laughs> Not that little one BS. We want the 32-ouncer. Well, here's some of my quick notes. But like I said, I do agree with you guys on this being the, the palate cleanser. I didn't know Dicker and Dicker, so I'm glad that Chris kind of brought that up and kind of told me what that was. I was kind of wondering what that was. Dicker and Dicker. Hang on and, a second. Um, nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Not what I careful. thought at all. <laughs> What's the story with the Spidey buggy, Chris? Can you? Yeah, around issue, gosh, in the uh, 120s, Carter and Lombardo worked for an ad agency, and one of their clients is uh, Solara Enterprises, and they came up with this vehicle, and they thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool if we got Spider-Man to promote it? So as Spider-Man was swinging by, he got called into their office, and they presented him with this thing. And at first, Spider-Man shook his head and said, no, nah, I don't think I want to do this, but I think they offered it some incentives, and they wanted him to tool around in this thing. And I'm trying to remember how big Dune buggies were back then because the only thing I can remember from the 70s was one of the opening seasons of Starskin Hutch had the guys pull over a big sand dune in a dune buggy and I really don't know how popular they were especially for New York City I, I don't know how practical a dune buggy would be <laughs> I'm not sure if they got a lot of beach coastline around Coney Island there but uh, well that dune buggy was getting around just fine man. yeah like... yeah <laughs> Could it do all that stuff before? That's what it I'm could wondering. Not, it could not, no, it, it basically shot webs. That's about the only thing I remember. And it wasn't fondly remembered as well as continuity because I think there was a, in a coming in a year or two, there would be an issue of Marvel Team Up where he teams up with the Invisible Woman from Fantastic Four. They're in a car together and the Invisible Woman's yelling at Spider-Man as he's driving this car and she's berating him. He's like, don't you know how to shift gears? Don't you know how to accelerate? And he turns to her and says, I never learned how to drive, which totally forgets the <laughs> Spider-Mobile continuity <laughs> in, in, that, in, in The Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man title altogether, so uh, not a fondly remembered chapter mm -hmm. of... Uh, right. I'm starting to get very jealous of Chris's memory. <laughs> <laughs> 70s I'm okay on, 80s not too bad, but it gets to be a little bit worried after that. <laughs> <laughs> we all tried to forget the 90s. <laughs> I like the line where it says, it's out of the frying pan and smack into the microwave oven. Those were new back then. Yeah, I'm like, oh wow, product placement there. Like Chris said too, uh, more of Tony Orlando and Don. Man, yeah, he, what is with the... <laughs> yeah. Does Len really like these guys or or maybe Spider-Man likes them that much? I don't know. But I'm 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 being more Donnie and Marie guy growing up, so I enjoyed the Donnie Marie. And that's another reference to them as well, too. I think it was done in a previous issue as well. No, I don't remember if Tony Orlando and Don was still on the air. They had a variety series back then, but I don't remember it going too much deeper if it was still on the air, whereas I think Donnie and Marie was the newer show at this time and it was really popular out of the gate for Friday nights. So it would it be like a comparison then? Oh absolutely. They both were uh, music variety shows with jokes and gags and comedy skits mixed in with some songs. Hey, that's what we do. So we go. A variety show. Cool. So, and the other thing is, okay, so if you get in a letter with no address on it, should you open it? <laughs> Good point. In the 70s, yes. Post 9-11, okay. no. Oh, it's anthrax. <laughs> 
I like that because, as you guys have said too, it brings us that new mystery going on here. Kind of like they had us before with the Doc Ock parts. I'm hoping this pays off a little bit better, but that did draw me back in and go, okay, there's something here. I, I'm, I'm kind of interested. And I like how it's just a tease for that one page and all of a sudden, boom. But we'll go on to that more next time. Back to this. Yeah, I am interested in what he got in the mail to see what those pictures are. The pictures will be revealed, I think, next issue, but the plot line itself won't come to a head, I think, until 169. When you say the plot line, is it that still bigger one of who's getting these guys in the suits and the Tinker said he had a boss guy? Is that the bigger picture you're talking about? The pictures are unrelated to the person that hired the Tinkerer. That's still going on. Yeah. In fact, the Tinkerer's employer should be revealed in 163, and that's going to be a total separate plot point. Oh, very good. Mm. He's, he's there with the numbers. I know. Look sure is, man. Brain on brain. We got to send Delvin out more often. No, I'm just kidding. But, but the, the, cig- the cigarette holder should be a tell, if you know Spider-Man villains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Craven the Hunter. <laughs> he was craving that nicotine. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the silly Spidey moment. Let's start with Chris. Chris, what's your silly Spidey moment for this issue? I'm going to try to be a good guest, and I hope I don't steal anybody else's moment. You don't need to be moment. a good one. No, no. I, I, the I, first I, one we ever had. <laughs> I, I'm not going to steal the uh, – there's a few obvious ones, and I'll leave the secretary one for somebody else. But on page three, there's no. a – oh, no? no? I'm just kidding, Okay. <laughs> no, at page three, Spider-Man is staring down the Spidey-mobile that's coming at him full on. So he thinks, okay, I got to use my web shooters to get out of this mess. So he outstretches his arms to the sky and you get the sound effect of... And nothing comes out. And then it's a close-up on his eyes. And then the letter Rosen did a good job because he writes really tiny, oh boy. So I yeah. that was a really great depiction. And I thought, oh, he's in trouble. So I, I, how that was depicted with the web shooters not working, that was funny for me. So Probably just me as a Quantum Leap fan, but I totally read that oh boy in the Scott Bakula voice. <laughs> Jared, did you have a silly Spidey moment? I did. Mine is on content page six. It's not long after Jason had some complaints about these police officers. You know, he fell on the roof. They said, I think there's kids with bottles. Then the Spider-Mobile comes around the corner and tears off. And the cops are just these completely befuddled cops, like Jason was saying. My favorite moment is Spidey's thought bubble, where he says, I refuse to believe any of this. <laughs> and I thought that, I laughed out loud when I read it, and I thought it was also kind of a brilliant piece of writing, because if you're going to go all in, if you're going to commit to the bit of a very silly story with a silly premise, it's almost like a wink to the reader that, yeah, we uh, know that this is insane, and we're just having fun with it. So I really enjoyed, I refuse to believe any of this from Spider-Man. Good catch there. That's a good catch there. And what was your silly Spidey moment? Jason. I liked page two during the fight scene on panel three when Spider-Man hit butts that dude's nuts. That made me laugh. Every time you hit butt somebody in the junk, I, I think that's really funny. <laughs> I totally missed it. I just scrolled back to look at it. Oh my gosh. He is forehead to tummy feathers all out. <laughs> I've got a couple that panel that Jason brings up. I like he calls them chuckles. That comes back up again. But I think I'm going to go with he calls toy jumbo. <laughs> you always like it when you call somebody a name. Yeah, I like it. It's just funny. He gives them names that kind of match him a little bit. You're in a serious situation and this guy's just making fun of you. You know, he does. That's right. Has there ever been anybody that would give it back to him? Hmm, That's a good question. Maybe like Deadpool 
or somebody. Christy, you have anything on that? I'm trying to think. No, not not that I can recall offhand. Yeah, Deadpool would probably be a good one, though. Okay. If somebody out there knows. All offhand? What the hell do we have you on the show for? You remember <laughs> everything else? I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't get my coffee for water yet. Uh, hey, Delvin. Chris, do you mind going to get us some coffee? <laughs> Yeah, untie me and then I'll get, I'll get right on it. We're almost done, Chris. We're almost done. Then you can go. Or can you? <laughs> well, let's get into the ratings. Let's have Chris, our guest, give us a reminder of what the ratings are. Oh, okay. So, reminder for the rating system. A five is a tickle your tummy feathers. That means you really, really loved it. If you rated a four, that means you really liked it. If you give it a three, you liked it. Two, didn't like it. Mm. One, ruffled your tummy feathers. That means you hated it. So for me, uh, shall I go first? Yeah, go ahead. If this was a first read for me today, I don't know if I would have rated it as high, but this issue holds a memory for me for where and when I was at well, eight or nine years old when I read it. I want to say I was nine when I got this book. And I'm going to go a three out of five. The artwork is really, really good. And I, I don't know if we spoke too much about Ross Andrews' art and uh, Esposito's inks on this, but even the lettering from Rosen, he does such a good job accentuating the letters. And if you were to look at a current comic and stand it up with this one, there's just so many panels per page. Mm, My yeah. goodness, how, how, how did Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito crank this out? I mean, so many panels per page. It looks like each page has like eight panels, seven to eight panels per page. That's almost insane by today's standards. And this almost plays out like if you're reading a comic strip in a sequence. Almost each horizontal thing could almost stand alone as a comic strip. And you would play it along and the bigger panels would almost get like a Sunday page. I really, really love the artwork and I think it's uh, underrated by today's standards. Everybody said it was a palancolizer. Hey, I was one of the guys that didn't think the previous story arc was that bad. But again, I'm looking at it through a lens from when I first read it as a kid. This was a story, like I said previously, didn't take itself too seriously. And it had some jokes that set things up and it moved things along. So yeah, I'm going to go with a solid three out of five. I did like it. Jared, how about you? Same. Jason? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you said it just about perfectly. I think it's a very solid three out of five palette cleanser. Lots of fun. You're right. The art was incredible. I have nothing else to add. I think you did a great job summarizing it. I'm going three just for the same reasons as you. Jason. We'll make it a hat trick here and I'll give it a three as well. I can't praise Ross Andrews' art enough. Well, the whole artistic team on here, like Chris said, is phenomenal. They tell a really good story visually. They pack a lot into the panels. They don't take a whole lot of shortcuts, so you still get a lot of good background images of the New York City skyline, for example. They obviously took a lot of pride in what they were doing here. It's kind of early to tell, you know, if this is going to be a good payoff story. I think we were all, except for Chris, a little disappointed with the last story arc. Um, Delvin liked it, if I remember. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I I'm think pretty sure Delvin did. Was on it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like I didn't like it. I was just let down by the buildup to it. I am genuinely intrigued about the photos and what's on those photos and how it's going to play into the story going forward. At the end of the day, I'm going to land where you guys landed and say three. What do you think, Pat? Well, I think Chris said a lot about what my thoughts were on it, and you guys kind of backed it up as well, too. I just want to give a shout out to Glennis on the colors. So that also helped popped with the great art that's in here as well. I really like that. That stands out a lot to me with colors and how they're represented. I'm going to give it a three. I think that's really cool that, Chris, you actually were able to pull this issue you know, from a rack. Do you still have it? I'm holding my copy right now in my wow. hand as we speak. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. So I think that's really cool going through Chronicles. It's kind 
kind of like me pulling it off the shelf and going, oh, this is my first read on this one. This is really cool. So I really enjoy it. So I'm giving it a three and looking forward to the future. I got to admit, though, I'm kind of worried because he just kind of left the car hanging from the side of the building, like 14 floors up. And that web fluid dissolves, like, what, in two hours or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Somebody's going to die down there on the street. That seemed rather reckless of a Spider-Man. I would be remiss to say that that was really stupid of him just to jump into that alleyway full of mysterious gas. Yeah, that was funny. Like, what, what are you doing, man? I think he gets dosed with hallucinogenic gas almost like every 12 issues. So <laughs> you, you, won't, you will not have seen the last of this, I assure you. <laughs> well, this one, he like literally dosed himself. He jumped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason, that would bring up, uh, that would be one of the good come on, man moments. Yeah, come on, man. He did a coke mic, man. He just jumped in there like... <laughs> Oh, my powers. My powers are gone again. Now I do have a final thought, because now Jason playing out a final thought in my head of Aunt May. She's like finally getting out of the hospital. Oh, yeah. So refreshed and vigorous. And is that a dune buggy up there? Ah! (laughs) (laughs) And Delvin's like, yes, yes. It finally happened. (laughs) <laughs> no, be even cooler would be the doom buggy with a hang glider on it. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> that way you could, you know, it could jump off cliffs or jump off those buildings and all of a sudden it could just glide away like that. Oh, man, that'd be cool. Hang glider is back again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, with that, I think that'll put an end to this issue for now. So we will take a quick podcast promo break and we will be right back. Hi, this is Batman. Whenever I lose my memory, I head over to the batmanuniverse.net and check out the podcast, Bat Books for Beginners. The Bat Books for Beginners podcast breaks down and analyzes all of my adventures so I can remember how to get to the Batcave, which Robin I'm working with, and where I parked the Batmobile. Chris and Jerry, the hosts of Bat Books for Beginners, are honest about how well I'm serving the citizens of Gotham. Sometimes, too honest, I'll have to talk to them about that. If you wake up one morning and think you might be Batman and have just lost your memories, go over to the BatmanUniverse.net or iTunes and check out Bat Books for Beginners. Now, if I could just figure out who this old man cleaning the Batcave is, that would be great. I asked my friend Scott Snyder and he didn't know. Don't be a supervillain. Visit the BatmanUniverse.net and listen to Bat Books for Beginners. Also on iTunes. You'll be glad you did. Bat Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net Bat Family of Podcasts. Don't listen to Bat Books for Beginners when operating heavy machinery or juggling. If you listen to Bat Books for Beginners for more than four hours, call your doctor. Bat Books for Beginners is part of a balanced diet. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we would normally share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are currently working to revamp our recording schedule so we can do the comments section at the same time we are recording each new episode. For this segment, I will just be going over the social media likes, shares, and retweets. Thank you for your understanding as we work to streamline this new process. We should have it ready by the next episode. But before we get to the list, please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show and we will share your review on the next show. Now, let's get to the social media likes, shares, and retweets from 37 Custom Toys, Aaron Head Moss, El Sedano, Alan Middleton, Andrea Rica, Bob Buster, Bubba Calgar, 
Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Let it roll. Clinton Robinson, Choo. Coffee and Comics, Craig Benark, Darren Mason, Dave Collins, Old Ben One, Dean Miller, Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop Podcast. Thank you guys. Gene Gene, the Podcasting Machine Hendrix, Jerry Green, Gord Tolton, Green Lantern HG, James Barr, Jonathan Schaefer Hams, Justice's First Dawn, Kurt Spencer, Lost in Time, M. Anthony Doraldo. Maggie Schaefer-Hams, The Married with Comics Podcast, Nate Niles, Neil Layden, O Grand Wakorota, Wakorata, sorry, Positive for Sure, Paul Hicks, Professor Frenzy, Reggie Reggie, Reunion Ortiz Luis, Robert McNone, Ross Michelle, thank you Ross, Russell Rosenkid, Rusty Shackelford, Ruth Sutherland, Ryan Daly, Superhero Network, Tim Hansen, our buddy Tim Price, Xenozoic Xenophiles, Zach Sally, and Zachary Carter. We'd like to thank everyone for their follows, likes, shares, and comments on the posts that we do. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com where posts are made for journaling this crusade. I want to give a thanks to Jared, Jason, and Chris for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where listeners can find us on the internet. Chris, where can people find you? Thanks, Pat. You can find me on Twitter at BTO and Bat Books. You can also find my Batman Adventure segment on the Batgirl to Oracle podcast once a month hosted by Stella. You can find me on Bat Books for Beginners with Jerry Green where we look at Batman trade paperbacks. New episodes drop every other Friday, and you can also find Jerry and myself on the Professor Frenzy Show, where we look at independent comic titles and new episodes drop every Wednesday. If you wish to contact me directly, you can email me at bruce.wayne at gothamcity.us. Thanks so much. Jason, where can the listeners find you? They can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. What about you, Jared? You can find me on Twitter at Yard Sale Artist, Facebook at Yard Sale Artist, Instagram at Yard Sale Artist. There's a theme there. And we encourage you to come check out our show on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. we got a sub-show on there called MI6 Rookie Agents, and this crew takes you through the James Bond films in our usual flamboyant, funny, and fantastic fashion. You know what? You can also mm-hmm. check out Saturday Matinee Theater. It's available in the Longbox Crusade feed, or you can get it in its own feed. We'll talk about old retro black-and-white TV shows, movies, serials, things like that. So check it out. And you can also find me on Twitter at Christatos01. Now, I'm looking for a new game to play, so if anybody's got some suggestions for me and wants me to play along with you, leave a comment on our Twitter at Longbox Crusade, or you can also tweet me as well, too. And I'll check out the game and join you. So you stopped requesting people to join your games and now you're looking for people to invite you to their games. <laughs> Correct. All right. Yeah, I'd like to play with people. I want to give a big thanks to these guys again for joining us. Thank you again Chris for being here. It was uh, awesome to have you on and get to talk with you. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Oh, we take this duct tape off. <laughs> promise not to go to the police. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or question? Email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read, read them, them all. all. Hey, wait a second. Who's, who's that at the... 
Who's at oh. the Longbox Crusade Studios? It's Delvin. Oh, Delvin, where's our back. where's our slushies, man? A trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I N 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We make no money on this podcast, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Oh, my cat's a sweet cat, aren't you? You're a good girl. Aren't you a good girl? Thank you. I'm just uh, editing the the like the what you call here. So, Use your words, uh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can't I can't talk and click at the same if time. If we string together <laughs> enough words, we make a podcast. Yeah, guess what I'm thinking? It's charade. <laughs> How come you guys can't see what I'm doing? I don't understand it. Why did we think of that? Two shows, guys. Yeah, yeah. Damn no. it. <laughs> we're stupid. We'll get we're always coming up with more ideas. Yeah. I spend 12% of my every day talking Pat out of his new podcast ideas. Uh, you could hear all the things that get cut out, man. Yeah. It's 98% Jason. Yeah, <laughs> get, that's true. I do get cut a lot. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> He's probably like, hey, where's that part I put in there? Uh, uh, yeah, that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> we were hoping you weren't remember anything. <laughs> I forgot we were doing a show today. <laughs> yeah. We've got guests. We got yeah. <laughs> but why is it always when we have guests we fall apart more so than usual? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Read the uh, next one. You're not sorry. Well, I'm hmm? gonna read the next one. Uh, I am. I just yeah. I am sorry. I guess. <laughs> that, now I'm convinced. I feel bad if I'm the only one who didn't read it. I only read one of them. I didn't even read this one, to be honest. <laughs> All right. Ooh, looks like Chris is in. His little token is Anonymous Fox. Oh. Mm. That's weird. That's what we were calling him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that little Anonymous Fox? Fox? I'm sure I'll work this into the show at some point, but... Uh... Chris is Hamilton versus Bird. Chris is a purchaser of Hamilton versus Bird. Uh, yes, <laughs> I knew it. Jason, were you the one that in high school that they had to do a book report on the fictional character and you had to dress up as him? And weren't you, was it you or one of your buddies that got up in front of the class in their regular clothes and said, okay, everybody close your eyes. 
I read The Invisible Man. <laughs> uh, I remember because we were in class and our teacher, she said, well, we're going to do this like in the old English way days. So I will call you, you know, it'll be like Master Albrecht or, or Mistress, you know, whatever. So first day she's starting to call roles. She's like, Master Albrecht and going through that. And then Brad's last name was Bates. <laughs> and she goes, Master, and she stops. And we're all like leaning forward in our seats, waiting yes, for it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So that ended that tradition <laughs> on day one. All right. Are you guys ready? Let's let it roll. <clears throat> Let's do it. Down the highway. Okay. Make them hear it. Make them feel it. Make them believe it. Pat. Ow. Uh, Chris, I'm assuming you know how the show goes. Yes, I got my notes all laid out. <laughs> Somebody and needs I am- to know how. Yeah, could you? T- <laughs> it's been so long, I kind of forget. Hey, Jason, why don't you tell the listeners about Saturday Matinee Theater? Oh, don't get Jason with no script. You're going to let Jason walk into that? Oh, here we go. <laughs> you really want me to do this with no script? Oh my god! <laughs> oh, otherwise, I can do Jared. I think Jason just left. All right. <laughs> I love the impressions. Damn it. Oh, I, meant to, I, I didn't bring one to the table myself. Oh, oh no. I got yeah, no, we'll have... to come back now. So. Yeah, got to come back. <laughs> you do not talk to me that way. <laughs> I will have my milkshake when I want my milkshake. Thank you. My day is complete. <laughs> Peter, give me that milkshake. Peter, I want a cherry on top. <laughs> Cheers more satisfying than you'll ever be.